Greetings, Pear Shorp and some retrogrades. Today, I come to you with a topical show that you probably associate with this channel as a kind of brand namesake. Why in the world, and there are a million good answers to this, do young Catholics love the old mass so much, the old liturgy, uh, Usus Antiquior? Why do they, conversely, dislike the new stuff, the new culture, the new language, the vernacular, the new mass, Novus Ordo, Seclorum, whatever, so much. Here with me today to make an answer, an attempt at an answer at this question, is Mr. David DeShiel, who is uh, among uh, theology, master's degree. He's a, an editor out of Nashville, Tennessee, and he's a, a young guy with a lot of talent. And we're going to talk about a project that we just worked on together. Uh, a couple minutes in, but for now, David, thanks for joining Rules for Retrogrades today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to be here, Tim. Yeah, it's great to see you, man. We've 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 worked together, of course, but this is the first full interview. So, yeah, just as a kind of shot across the bow, David, would you tell my listeners out there, my viewers, the Retrogrades and Parish Orphans, why is it that they, ninety nine percent of them anyway, love? tradition they as young people and by young we're, we're stretching the term because I, I you know I'm fitting myself in this category and as young as a lot of people think why, why do all of us love tradition so much a lot of times you know and love something without knowing why you love it right sure yeah I think I think it's two reasons I think one it makes sense and two it's attractive so it makes sense of worship I, we all know the, the point of the mass the point of the mass is to worship God and when you go to a Latin mass, whether it's the lower high mass, you can tell that that's what everybody's oriented toward physically. You know, their bodies are all turned the same way. And then you've got bells, you've got incense, you have a solemnity about the Eucharistic prayer. It's all very silent, that sort of a thing. So you can tell that something important's going on, even if you don't realize exactly what it is. And it just makes sense that we would worship the Lord in a way that speaks of reverence and honor. And then secondly, it's just attractive. You know, it's something you want to learn more about it because you see that one that everybody cares about it and that they have to really by the structure of the mass and two that there's something beautiful in it. You know, everything is serving the same purpose. Often with traditional Latin mass, you have beautiful Gregorian chant, you have incense, you have bells, you have kind of the best of the best vestments. People are well-dressed. And so People want to learn more what's going on. They see that beauty and they're inspired to learn more and to find that goodness and truth in there too. Yeah. Yesterday we went to New Orleans to the TLM, which is the closest TLM to us. And uh, I was standing around talking. My wife was too, to some people that approached her about her new book. And I was talking to a really cool couple that is from across the river, which is a term in New Orleans that means like um, closer to the bayou. And this guy was legit Bayou, New Orleans, and, and his wife was really cool. And he was saying, we we're just talking about the Latin mass. And he's like, this is the mass that I grew up serving at as an altar boy. Oh, same thing all of us, you know, all, all cool boomers say. Like, this is what I grew up with. I miss it. And he's like, I didn't have it for many years, except I came back to the TLM three years ago. And what I didn't realized for all that time that I wasn't going to Sunday mass at the TLM was that it's, it's like, this is the, this is the real mass. And he's like, now what I'm not saying 
is that I don't go to the Novus Ordo. He's like, I'm the other right. cool thing. We we're talking about fishing and, and hunting and stuff. But he's like, I go, I'm a daily mass attendee. So I go to the Novus Ordo every day. I receive our Lord in the Eucharist every day. So he wasn't going all far to the other side of the boat to fall off on the right side of the bark. He was just like, I mean, this is like the real mass. I'm, I ain't saying the, the Novus Ordo Seclorum thing isn't a mass because you get the Eucharist. So in one right. sense, who cares? But on the other end, this is just objectively way more beautiful and makes way more sense. And he's a guy that grew up with it. And even he forgot during, I guess, the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, how beautiful this was. What, what, by what account can we explain that phenomenon? The cool boomers, the cool old Gen X people that kind of grew up with the TLM, forgetting about it. Right. I mean, I think it just hasn't been on the radar of many of those Catholics for years and years and years. I think something like the Modu Proprio, Traditionis Custodes, is going to get it on the radar for those people. Something like COVID, where what churches are the only ones open, where the priests aren't, you know, bowing on the mandates and that sort of thing. It's Latin mass parishes often, um, not exclusively. And so those kind of things, they get people's radars on and they say, oh, well, these seem to be the most serious Catholics in my area. But then I think before that, it just, it wasn't really talked about much. You know, I think the the kind of groundswell of young people interested in the traditional Latin mass is a relatively new thing, you know, maybe in the past decade or so. Um, but there are a lot of priests, a lot of laity, you know, twenties and thirties, maybe into forties who love it. But before that, I think it was more like, especially the people even who are boomers now, you don't have that many people left who really grew up at the Latin mass. So my mother, for example, is older. However, her last memory of the Latin mass is changing to the Novus Ordo in the first grade. And if your last memory is from somewhere early, like the first grade in elementary school, you're not going to remember it well. So you might have a vague memory, but I don't think it's going to be as fond as, you know, this was my mass through my teenage years. And I really grew up, really grew to love it. Has there been a kind of desegregation over the last couple years? We're going to talk about our project together, which is the book, Ever Ancient, Ever New. I contributed a chapter, which was all about how I biographically, autobiographically came to the Latin Mass. And it was, it was quite a while ago. Uh, my wife contributed a chapter, how she came to the Latin Mass, again, quite a while ago, uh, where we, you know, for, for younger people, We've been going a lot longer than most of the other younger people. We've been going since a little before Benedict's Moti Proprio, if memory serves. And I mean, I'd say not in 07, 08, 09, but more like 17, I would say 18, 19, 2017, 2018, 2019. There's been a real groundswell, a desegregation between the traditionalists with a capital T that only went, they were, a lot of them were going in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, one way or another, by hook or by crook, and then all the rest of the church. Now there's more young guys, young gals that are getting up and going, and there's a a really healthy desegregation of cultures, right? Because it's young blood Mm -hmm. that, you know, people that might be well-versed in the popular culture, which is what we need. It's what the name of Catholic means. And yet they're going to the TLM. Do you agree? And what accounts for this over the last couple of years? Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I mean, my parish here in Nashville, it's there are a lot of young people, a lot of young married couples, especially 
but also some young single people as well, 20-somethings, 30-somethings. Yeah, I think I think it has been a real recent groundswell. Even and I have a seminarian friend who's, you know, very much in the Latin mass. And the other seminarians, they're not so much in that space, but you could even call them traditional Catholics. You know, they just want they just want a reverent mass, you know, they're entertaining stuff like ad orientum and whatever for when they become priests. So I think recently, you know, you've had events like the Moto Propro, you've had events like COVID where there's a real stark contrast between parishes that just don't take the faith seriously and parishes that take the faith seriously. And I think at the same time, you have, I mean, of course you've had this through the ages, but it's very stark now. You have a secular society that's just searching for meaning. You know, that it's very obvious in how people latch on to politics, for example, you know, every election is always the most important election, but it's very clear with figures like Trump and Biden. People just kind of, they want to stake their their life's outlook on that sort of a thing. And so when a serious Catholic sees that and they want to follow the Lord, they know he's not a political figure. You know, they should act in the public sphere, but they don't have to stake their lives on it. So they go looking and inevitably they're going to find that reverence. They're going to find that devotion in these traditional areas, in these traditional communities. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I, I want to talk about Ever Ancient, Ever New in a second because it's a great book and you get so many cool, mostly young perspectives on why do young people go to the Latin Mass. And I, I thought, let's get your perspective first off before we launch into the book. But I want to say one thing to, to, to you, David, and to all the parish orphans and retrogrades out there. I get a pro- when I go to Latin Mass, okay, I get approached about, oh, thank you for your book on... Catholic Republic, thank you for your, your new podcast. Thank you for your work on feminism. They thank my wife for her new book on feminism. People go by Ask Your Husband. It's uh, selling out on Amazon and they're having to restock. We get all those thank yous, but what the most recurring item for gratitude is when people approach me, and this is, this is all the Lord, this ain't me, is the work for the TLM that... Taylor Marshall and myself did starting in late 2018. That's the most recurring comment. A lot of these are people that, that are both in. They're like, I love your, your stuff now. I love your books. But you're bringing me back to the TLM. You on Marshall's channel with Marshall. One half you, one half Marshall. That was a new moment. And I'll say this, man. Like, you know, say what you want about Taylor Marshall. Say what you want about me. But... Um, that TNT was a new cultural moment for the for social media on right wing uh, American Catholicism and on of uh, on those media, and you know I, that's that's all the Lord bringing back the Latin Mass. This is what I get more love for, more thanks for. It's funny, TNT, there are a million sh- you know wannabe TNT shows that started up in 2018, 2019, 2020. A lot of these people hate on me, hate on Marshall, a lot of wannabes, right? And I just say, look, it's, it's the TLM, which is the original. And speaking of originals, um, you guys, you're standing in, in line at the Xerox machine with, with TNT originals in your hand. And, and, uh, and, and that's kind of what the Novus Ordo does by extension of some sort of analogy to, to the, the TLM, which is beautiful. So... Anyway, I just wanted to get that out there. The TLM is the thing that has brought so many young Catholics back to the faith, understanding that, that you know, 
red pills are good. Don't, don't overdose on them, but red pills are good. You got in this book, Ever Ancient, Ever New, David, you collected not only mine, not only Steph's, but a bunch of perspectives from young people on the Latin mass. Who else did you get? And what's the takeaway principle from all these? You want to mention some of the noteworthy. It's a great book. I gave away three free copies as a promotional thing. Tell us a little bit about the book. Tell us about the perspectives that are shared and the way to unite them in an intelligible way. Sure, sure. So with, um, with the book, I got a good bit of help from a friend of mine from college as well. It's called Ever Ancient, Ever New, Why Young Catholics Are Returning to Traditional Catholicism, out by 10. And um, the idea is just to get a bunch of people together. And so we've got, we've got you and Stephanie, we've got myself and a couple of friends under pen names from Franciscan University. We've got Stephanie Lazinski, who's um, a Canadian writer online for some different outlets like One Peter Five. And we have Alexander Shugwell, who most of you know from the Pachamama and the Tiber and the Amazonian Synod, but he's doing a lot of really good pro-life work, especially, and just work to preserve tradition in in the Vienna, Austria area. So got those people together. And the idea was get all these different perspectives from all over the world, from especially we wanted to look at around the millennial generation and get their stories kind of like a trad, why we're Catholic sort of thing. Get a witness style anthology for traditional Catholicism. Because there's a lot out there for just general Catholic apologetics but there isn't a lot really showing why young Catholics care so much about tradition. And I think especially the boomers, that generation, they're seeing this. They're definitely seeing it, but they have no idea what's going on. At least those that aren't already attending the Latin mass. So they're thinking, why do all these people want to go to the Latin mass, especially all these married couples? Where are they in my parish? You know, where are the baptisms? Why isn't this stuff happening? And why are they all over here in this Latin mass parish? I thought we were done with that. Um, I thought the English mass was good enough when you want to hear it in your own language. And so the idea is get a story from the inside and tell them one, you know, we have good reasons, but two, we're also not crazy, you know, because there's a narrative out there uh, coming from all different levels of the church that basically just says that Catholics who attend the Latin mass and Catholics who love traditional devotions, like, you know, fasting and the rosary, they're just angry set contests. And, you know, sometimes we're angry and the most fringe people are set apocontists, but by and large, the majority of us and the ones who wrote chapters for this book are just Catholics trying to love the Lord. And they found peace and the best way to do that in the Latin mass and tradition. Do you think that the boom, I'm not, when we say boomers, we mean the ones at the boomer parishes. Do you think the boomers at the boomer parishes are looking at their low baptismal rates, their low marriage rates, their low confirmation rates and thinking, why, what's the deal? I don't, I think when they figured, when they rightly figured we're over with tradition and with Latin and all the, the, you know, the the dusty old tomes of the Catholic magisterium. I think they also figured we're over having lots of baptisms and lots of confirmations. We don't need all that stuff. So you, you give them more credit than I do. I, I don't cut a lot of slack. I think you realize when you make a major change like they were a part of that, it's like, yeah, part of dispensing with tradition is dispensing with, uh, I don't know, traditional effects, the faith forming effects. So I don't think they're missing them at their parishes. Do you? You, you give them more credit than me. 
Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I think by and large, you're probably right. In my um, about year and a half as a liturgist for four parishes in the Diocese of Pittsburgh, I encountered like a subset of, you know, more serious boomers that you would expect to find in a more traditional parish, but often they're just going because this is the parish they grew up in. They kind of want to commit and they want to make it better. So I think those people care more about that sort of thing, but they just don't have answers. And even the pastors I was working with, they explicitly wanted reverence, but they didn't know what it meant. Uh, And when I would suggest specific things, like even something as simple as an ablution bowl, it's a little bowl of water, the priest dips his fingers in after he distributes the host so that he doesn't have any particles of the Eucharist on his fingers getting anywhere. They didn't understand the point of it. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I, I think there are a good amount of people who just don't care, especially about, you know, what faith you follow. It's like, well, we want to be a welcoming church. We want to have people here, but it really doesn't matter if they kind of hold to the faith. Um, but then you have people who are really interested in reverence, but don't really know what it means. So they're looking at this stuff and they're thinking, I have no idea why people aren't coming and getting baptized. Were you a liturgist at a Novus Ordo parish or a TLM uh-huh. parish or a mixed? Novus Ordo parishes. So yeah. um, in the diocese of Pittsburgh at the time, and this was relatively recently, you know, 2019, 2020, right at the start of COVID as well. Um, every parish except for a couple of them were merging just because of low attendance. And so I worked for four different parishes, all Novus Ordo. And um, they became one about a year into my time as a liturgist. So they were, and I don't really think they were on the traditional side. There were some that were more like, you know, we, we do things a little more reverently, but it was just sort of the culture. They're less a love for tradition. Right. Right. Yeah. I tell you, man, I, I don't know how, aside from a, a complete, dispensation of um religious rigor religious true true justified belief in your religion believing that you have the one true faith i don't know how you dispense with all of the trappings of the faith that are 1970 years old i i don't understand it i don't think any of us youngish people who love the latin mass understand how you know, the boomers of that generation and, and really their their parents were the ones that started giving up the tradition. Um, we don't understand how they did it without expecting that people were going to leave in, in a mass exodus, the church. And, and by the way, boomer, when I say boomers and we're 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 talking about the ones that 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 don't care about the faith. You're right, ever right. ancient, ever new, in my opinion, if you go to the Latin mass, it keeps you young at heart keeps you, you know, keeps a smile on your lips, keeps you happy and holy. So we're talking about the boomers that, that, you know, just wanted that tradition abrogated. I don't see any other way, people. I don't see any other way of looking at the whole configuration of bizarre events over the last 55 years, except saying, look, they figured, you know, smoke it, smoke a doobie, smoke a J man. That was big in their generation. You know, the spirit, will move all peoples and all religions toward toward the heavenly light in its own way. Religious syncretism is far out, man. It's it's all right with us. Jesus is just all right with us. But so is, you know, Vishnu. I think that has to be the approach you take when you don't care about uh, all of the particulars 
when you, you don't know what a ciborium is, when you don't know why the particles of Christ's body, blood, soul, divinity should be handled respectfully, because it's Christ. I think it's, I think it's black or white. And I know, you know, other people give a more charitable read to that, but I just can't help but think that this is widespread cultural achadia, you know, a kind of spiritual sloth whereby they just right. said, who cares? Who cares? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough thing because those who are old enough to remember, you know, something like Vatican II, at, at the time, from what I understand, you know, there was a debate going on as far as like, is it? is it the mass itself? Is it the Latin mass and, you know, the Catholic faith that needs to be changed or do we just need to give people, you know, better catechesis and real solid formation. And so I think those people who were like, Oh yeah, we just need to change. They, they started to look, you know, what are we going to change to? We need to, we need to kind of update. We need to kowtow to the culture a little bit. And so they, they took that hook, line and sinker. And so they started not to care about it as much. Cause if you think that the, constant tradition of the church is the problem, then you're not going to look to it for, you know, remedy and things. You're going to say, oh no, you know, just do whatever you want. If you believe in other faith, that's fine. You know, if you're not as invested in this, that's cool. you know, we just want to make an enjoyable experience for you, but that's not what it's about. Yeah. So tell us with ever, ever ancient, ever new, what's the takeaway? You get all these different perspectives. Is it 12, 12 perspectives from... <laughs> youngish Catholics and why, why tradition is just the only way this is the way is the yeah. Mandalorian says, and what do you take away from it? And maybe it's not 12, but yeah, I think it's seven, something like that. Okay. Um, gotcha. But yeah, the takeaway is that traditional Catholics are normal, normal in the good sense. You know, they're trying to follow the Lord. They're trying to serve Christ. They're trying to live the faith. They're serious about it. And they have reasons for doing it. they have reasons that aren't, fleeting that aren't political, you know, Pope Francis's explanation of the motu proprio, his letter to the bishops seems to have heard from people that traditional Catholics just want the Latin mass because that's their preference. The point of this show that that's not at all the case. You know, they want something stable. They want something attractive. They want something that makes sense. They want the faith and they found it in the Latin mass. And so that's, that's the point of the book that trads are, they're normal, they're good, they're seeking Christ, and they found him. Yeah, I like how you said that. You stipulated to that point. Normal in a good way. Um, yeah. In the 70s, 80s, 90s, maybe that's a, a tenuous claim, you know, with the, whether or not a large portion of the trads were, were normal in a good way, meaning living in the world but not of the world. Sometimes I do a mini show within this show called In But Not Of with my mm -hmm. buddy Boss, and it's all about how Jesus told us to be in the world, but not of the world. This means be normal in a good way, avoid being normal in the bad ways, but you should be able to converse with the popular culture. If, right. um, if your culture, I, I mean, I'm not trying to pick one particular instance that would be controversial, but I don't know if your culture does Halloween and Christmas and, you know, candy and trick-or-treating and Santa Claus, do that. Do everything you can do from your culture. Don't LARP. Don't pretend you live in Edwardian England or uh, Caesarian Rome. You don't. You live in 21st century America. Take everything, you know, plant, uh, bloom where you're planted. Take everything from this culture that's healthy and good. Be proud about whatever left there is in this corroded culture to be proud of, which I, I'd say is the, the um, you know, foundation of American liberties and American duties. 
Uh, but block the bad. In with the good, block the bad, as, uh, as uh, Kevin Nealon says in Happy Gilmore. That's what you meant by normal. That's good. And that is what I meant by desegregation between trad Catholic culture of the 70s, 80s, 90s and normie Novus Ordo Catholic culture of the 70s, 80s, 90s with the influx of new people in. And this is a huge project of ours to be, you know, bold yet obedient traditional Catholics to be also normal, bold, yet obedient traditional Catholics. We're, we're seeing that um, um, desegregation, inter, intermissation of those two cultures, aren't we? These years. Yeah, I think so, for sure. And you can see it. I mean, you can see it on multiple levels. You can see, you know, different groups kind of hanging out together that you wouldn't expect, you know, people who go to the Latin Mass and people who don't. Because, I mean, ultimately, they're just, you know, willing to talk to and listen to each other. And they have the same goals. Some are just, some might be farther along or some might have, you know, found a different way of reaching it. But then you've got priests as well. You see this, at least all over the Diocese of Nashville, especially where I am. You've got a Novus Orno Mass that's basically as close to the Latin Mass as you can get without being the Latin Mass. You have priests who, you know, have the same goals. They want that they want that reverence. And so they might just do one thing, but it might be like ad orientum. They might start singing the antiphons in Latin, that sort of thing. And so I think that, you know, people are craving the same things and they're willing to talk to each other. You know, there's a bit, the, the rumors, the sort of prejudices against the less socially well-adjusted traditional Catholics are a little bit dispelled, you know, when people meet the majority of them, when they're willing to look past that guy over there in the corner, who's ranting about, monarchy or something like that right. and they will actually have a conversation with somebody else right not that monarchy is bad it's one of right. the three right. good regimes that, that the church you know through thomas and it's a long-standing tradition says for sure monarchy aristocracy and republic are all three of the good regimes pick whichever one best suits your culture that's that's the actual teaching of the church but but yeah exactly they're the guys that say monarchy is the only way you know integralism is the only way right. blah, 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 distributism this- yeah. Yeah. No, amen. Uh, what? So, so just as a parting shot here, then I want to call out the books more. It's a tan book. It's a tan book. And we're going to link it uh, uh, to the show notes of the show. Ever ancient, ever new people go buy the book. If you don't have it, it's, it's, it's really good. You get my perspective, you get Steph's, you get four others, uh, David's yeah, Alexander Tishigil's. I, I can never say his name, right? I, I want to have him on this show actually. And a couple others. And it's really a fun read and I think attractive in the uniquely biographical perspective. It's fun to hear why people got attracted mm-hmm. to this or that. But, but first, can you tell us, parting shot, um, David, why, why is this a good thing to be cross-fertilizing the whatever's good about the Novus Ordo? And there's not much, if you ask me. Though it's, it's totally valid and all that. There's not much, but whatever's good about it, why should that cross-pollinate with the TLM? And is that truly, truly, truly what the, well, however many good prelates there were at Vatican II, there weren't enough, but is that what they wanted to see? Right. Yeah, well, why should they kind of cross-pollinate? I think, you know, it's easier to explain why the Latin Mass should kind of cross-pollinate in the Novus Ordo. It's yeah. clear, like, um, ad orientum and singing different things in Latin, Gregorian chant, that sort of thing. But, you know, there is the sense in which what people are seeking in the Novus Ordo 
are a couple things. They're seeking, you know, authentic community and they're seeking understanding. And so those are good things to seek, you know, not necessarily in the same way as in the Novus Ordo. You know, you don't have to be having a conversation the whole time during mass. You know, you don't have to see everything as far as, you know, you've got to be up close and personal on the altar. And not every Novus Ordo is like that. But I think those are good things to enrich the Latin mass with. And those are things that you see in the best communities. You've got people hanging out after mass chatting. You've got potlucks. You know, you've got catechesis. You've got all that stuff working together. And, you know, even if the mass itself is in another language, in the case of the Latin mass, you've got people who really understand because they're living in that community and they care about imparting that faith. As far as what people intended in Vatican II, I try not to talk too much about intention, but it it seems like, you know, it seems like the good bishops there, they wanted that sort of thing going on. But it seems like as far as the implementation goes, you know, there were a lot of actors who really just wanted something that looked a little bit more like what the world wants. A lot more like it. Yeah, I think. think. Yeah. I'm I'm understanding. I'm understanding. Yeah, Yeah. You're, you're being I very fall. measured. You, you, yes, you're, sometimes you're I fall too far in that spectrum as far as trying to be charitable. But um, yeah, I think ultimately what they ended up getting was what they wanted, something that looks a little bit more like a Protestant service. Um, and they weren't really looking for a mutual thing. They were looking for, okay, well, the church needs to change with the times. Right. And so the mass has got to be different. Yeah, I'm not afraid of, of talking about the intent of Vatican II. I'm, for Tan, I'm writing a book right now called um, uh, Bad Council, Good Documents. And guess what? It's about Vatican II. And yeah. I found a lot of stuff that no one else has found. So I'm not afraid. The, 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 the intent had much to do with it. Let's just say that I want to agree with you. I agree with everything you I agree with everything you've said in this whole interview by 100%. But when I said cross-pollination, I meant something like, okay, if you're, if, you know, now the idea of Sacrosanctum Concilium revisited would be, let's leave a little bit of something for the boomers. Then the cross pollination should be 95% TLM with 5% of whatever you listed. Yeah. In favors you listed as the good Novus Ordo. So I'm fine with that. Right. We could, yeah, because that would be more organic. I'm- yeah. That's the thing. It's not, I mean, when you look at the things I listed, they're not inherent to the Nova Sordo either. And, no. and that's my big thing. You know, I mentioned that in the book as well. There are just so many options you have in the Nova Sordo. So you can talk about cross-pollination, but it's really hard with the Nova Sordo because most of those things that are good from the Nova Sordo, they're also there in the Latin mess or they're optional. Right. If the priest yeah. doesn't want to do them. He can just say, oh, no, you know, that's not really what I want out of this mess. Right. Yeah. So it's hard to find something that's like, this is a core part of the Nova Sordo, besides, you know, having Jesus present in the Eucharist, where it's like, oh, you know, this is great. This is unique to this thing. And we need this over here, too. David, I, I, thank you for putting this book together. Thank you for including me. Thank you for including Steph. People go get it. It's ever ancient, ever new. Go to Tan Books. You can buy it directly. You can also buy it at Amazon. Where, where books are unfortunately sold by the great Leviathan. We'll link to it in the show. And would you hold the book up so people could get a look? It seems to mean yeah. a great deal to people to be able to have a look. I have my copy. I don't know where it went. My kids mess with it, and I gave away some. Yeah, ever ancient, ever new. While younger generation turning to traditional Catholicism. There you go. 
Thanks, man. And thanks for doing it. Thanks for coming on the program. People out there, like this video, subscribe to it, get the notifications, you know the deal. If you're looking to leave your state, get from your blue state to a red state. Go to realestateforlife.org. Like I did, get from the bluest of the blue to the reddest of the red. That's the southeast corner of the country if you can get there folks also if you want to support this program go to timothy j gordon patreon.com we've been getting lots of attacks by the feminists steph's book my book each to come out within the last five months we're attacking the feminists in a way no one ever has and you can imagine the rage hell hath no fury right (laughs) um so, so yeah, if you want to support us, that, that is uh, due and appreciated at Timothy J. Gordon at patreon.com. Uh, David DeShiel, thanks a million for your time. People out there, stay, stay good, stay true to each other, and keep it together. Deus Volt. Thanks. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit.